everybody, it's Drags, and it's Wednesday, September 12th, time for episode 262 of Patriot's Beat on the CLNS Media Network. Find us at clnsmedia.com and follow us on Twitter at PatriotsCLNS. Every neighborhood has a heartbeat, a place that represents a cultural epicenter of the area at its core in Boston's historic North End. That place is Boston Barber and Tattoo. Boston Barber and Tattoo has become home to A-list Boston celebrities like Gordon Hayward, Milan Lucic, Brad Marchand, and Aaron Baines. Boston Barber and Tattoo is more than just Boston's most well-known corner barbershop. It's also a tourist attraction for the hundreds of thousands of people and visit the North End throughout the year. Boston Barber and Tattoo, a North End landmark that represents a cultural epicenter of the area at its core, located at 113 Salem Street. This week, I welcome ESPN Jacksonville Jaguars reporter Mike DiRocco. You should be following his great NFL and Jags coverage this week, especially on Twitter, at ESPN DiRocco. That's E-S-P-N-D-I-R-O-C-C-O. Thanks, Mike, for joining us. How was New York? Good dining on Saturday night? (laughs) Yeah, we found a little steakhouse place to eat. So, yeah, we had a good time. I I just feel um, obligated to always ask uh, about uh, the dining options anytime anybody covers a game in New York because uh, they're so plentiful in New York. So just had to get that uh, formality out of the way. And and actually, Mike, before the X's and O's, uh, what about the potential impact of Hurricane Florence? Any concerns about the game actually getting played this weekend? No, all the models have it going much further north. South Carolina, North Carolina, I think, are the areas where the greatest impact will be and where the, they expect landfall to be. So, I mean, we'll get some rain and some squalls, but there's not anything that's going to be uh, – that, that should cause a problem in terms of having a game that's you good. Know, canceled or moved or anything like that. Yeah, we should be fine with that. Yeah, that's good. I mean, I know this particular storm, not to go all uh, Weather Channel on our uh, listeners, but – um, I guess the rain and the flooding could be the big concern and the impact of this storm. And I, obviously with Jacksonville being so low lying, I just uh, was curious if there are any concerns there. So sounds like uh, they will be able to actually play this game as scheduled. Yeah, no problems at all. No problems. At all. Now, barring any kind of a last minute turn, but they don't expect that. We should be good. What is it like covering a sensational talent and personality like Jalen Ramsey? <laughs> It is always interesting. Uh, how about that? Um, because you just never know what he's going to say and when he's going to say it. And um, it's just, um, you, you just know everybody loves to hear what he has to say. If you're a Jags fan, you want to hear it because you love him and he's your guy and he's on your team. If you're an opposing fan, you want to hear what, you, what he has to say because you hate him and you can't believe he's going to say something stupid and you can't wait to rip him. So, no matter what he says or does, I mean, he generates news and, and people want to hear about him. So from a reporter standpoint, that's gold because, you know, you've got a story every single time he opens his mouth. Oh, you mean uh, things like, I don't think Gronk's that good. I don't think Gronk right. is as great as people think he is. Anytime Gronk has yeah. been matched up with a corner, he's had a very bad game and that corner has had a very good game. Things like that, you mean? Yeah, well, I never said what he said was accurate, though. (laughs) Always accurate, because I think he's dead wrong on the Gronkowski stuff. Um, But, yeah, you know, it's funny because most of this time, all of the the incendiary comments were were made in the offseason, and those stories didn't really run until 
recently. Mm -hmm. So during the season, he's not as much of a trash talker like that before games and stuff. Now, if he goes into a game and he has um, a lot of success and he shuts a guy out and, you know, they get into it and they're jawing and trash talking back and forth, then after the game, he can be a gold mine of quotes. Um, you know, if you remember his rookie year, Steve Smith, yep. um, went after, they went after each other. And then last year, there was the A.J. Green incident where he goaded A.J. Green for the entire first half, and eventually A.J. Green snapped. And they got into a fight, and they got thrown out. So, uh, And then after the game, he uh, – excuse me, he didn't talk after the game. He talked two days later, and he just was unbelievable. So he'll uh, – He'll probably get Gronk a little bit. I don't think. I think it's going to be a lot like the AFC title game, where yeah. um, if he if he lines up outside, I think that, that Jalen will get a shot at him. But I, they're not going to move Jalen around to match up with him. Right, and in that game, uh, and I know you pointed this out when you wrote about it, uh, you know, uh, at the time, he actually um, was on Amendola, and Amendola had a pretty good second half, uh, seven catches, I believe it was, eighty four yards. Uh, and two fourth-quarter TDs. That was kind of a rough fourth quarter for Ramsey, no? Yeah, well, they did they, they play a lot of zone, um, which was a little bit surprising to me at some times there. Mm-hmm. And um, the thing that, that stands out about that fourth quarter is the third and 18. Yeah. Um, that, that's just, it's unbelievable. Yeah, I went back and looked, and I think they had faced that 12 times. Uh, up until then, and, and teams had never converted. And they they just, the safety, Tayshawn Gibson was a little late getting up there. He had a bad ankle. The linebackers went a little too wide. They couldn't get any pressure on Brady. They elected not to blitz, and boom, 21 yards. And, and that really, to me, despite everything else that happened in that game, that, to me, was the game right there. That was the backbreaker. And that is something that sticks in, in the mind of all these guys, and it, it's kind of boring a hole in their head all off season. And this week is their chance to maybe make up for that. So do you think there's a chance that they get too amped up or are they going to be like, we're going to be ready this time. We're going to play the same way we did for three quarters. Only it'll be on our turf. And this time we'll finish it off. I think it's going to be both. I think they will be really amped up, but I do think that they're um, going to be approaching it that way as well. Um, for as brash and as cocky as this mm-hmm. defense is, it's a, it's a relatively smart group of guys, too, in terms of football IQ. So I don't see them being, you know, so hyped that they're flying around out of position, making bad plays, committing too many penalties. Um, because of that, I think this team is smart enough to realize that, look, that's the greatest quarterback in the history <laughs> on the other side over there, and he already killed us once when we weren't on everything 100%. So if we are not on it again, he's going to kill us again. So they've got to be smart enough to understand that, and I think they do. You think this defense is as good as any in the NFL right up there with the Vikings? Oh, absolutely. Um, you know, it's loaded with playmakers on every level. Uh, eight of the 11 starters – uh, have played in Pro Bowls uh, six last year, and then you had Darius uh, Marcel Darius right. uh, at nose tackle and Tayshawn Gibson at, at free safety. So that's eight of the eleven, which is pretty darn impressive. Um, and honestly, the two linebackers. Everyone talks about cor- the corners and AJ Boye sure. and Jalen Ramsey. 
And, you know, the ends and Yannick Ngakwe, Clay's Cameron, Wick Jackson, the tackle. But to me, it's the two linebackers, uh, Miles Jack and Telvin Smith, who really key this unit because they are, they're not traditional guys. Telvin Smith is like 218 pounds on a good day um, at weak side linebacker, and he can just absolutely flat out run, and he makes a ton of plays. He, no, since he came into the NFL in 2014, nobody has more solo tackles than Telvin Smith in the NFL. So he's been a fantastic playmaker for this group. Um, and then Miles Jack moving back into the, moving into the middle full time now should have been a first round pick. There were the concerns about the knee, um, but has been completely 100% healthy, just a, an athletic freak can run may actually be faster than Telvin Smith, despite being 235, 240 pounds and has started to become a guy that's made plays in his last three games which goes back to the Pittsburgh game in the playoffs, the Patriots game, and then this week he has a turnover. So hmm. he's making big plays for this defense. Those two guys really kind of key, and I know everyone, like I said, pays attention to all those other guys, but they're, they're missing the boat if they're not watching those two. With over 8 million users across U.S. and Canada, Game Time is the top destination for last-minute tickets to all major sporting events, concerts, and shows. Unlike Ticketmaster and StubHub, who overwhelm you with so many choices and steps, the Game Time app shows you only the best values and makes buying tickets incredibly fast and easy. To make selecting tickets even easier, Game Time shows you an actual high-res photo of the view from your seat. Plus... The Game Time Guarantee has you covered. They'll guarantee that you'll receive your tickets in time for the event and that they'll be valid, of course, for entry. If that doesn't happen for some unknown reason, Game Time will absolutely locate comparable replacement tickets or give you a 100% refund. Whether you're looking for sports, music, or theater tickets, you can find all of them all under one roof at Game Time. For $15 off your first purchase, visit usegametime.com slash beat and use the promo code beat. Again, for $15 off your first purchase, visit usegametime.com slash beat and use the promo code B-E-A-T. Speaking with Mike DiRocco, ESPN reporter covering the Jacksonville Jaguars. Okay, we talked about the defense. Let's move on to the offense, which I think is a little bit more intriguing. What about Blake Bortles, Mike DiRocco? <laughs> I know that's, that's kind of what everybody wants to know. Yeah, yeah it's, it's an open-ended uh, question for good reason. <laughs> but but it's a legitimate question because, look, I think we saw Blake Bortles' ceiling um, last year. I think we all, at this point, we know what he is. He's a guy that can make some plays with his feet. He's a guy that has the ability to make all the throws, but he's also a guy who's going to misfire a bunch, and he'll make some bad decisions, and he'll make some bad throws and he's going to end up with double-digit interceptions. Now, what the Jaguars wanted him to do last year was not have 17, 18, 16 interceptions, and he dropped the number down to um, 13. But honestly, it's actually better than that because two of those were on rookie receivers running wrong routes, mm -hmm. and another one was when tight end James O'Shaughnessy, who used to play for the Patriots, uh, had a ball ripped out of his hands. It was a catch, and he had it ripped out of his hands. Um, so – Technically, 13 picks, but 10 uh, is really what he threw. And that's what the Jaguars want. They want him to be smart with the ball. They want him not to make bad decisions. They want him to be efficient. Now, 60% completion is not great, but that was the highest mark of his career. So 
what you don't want to have to do if you're the Jaguars is put a game in his hands every single week. And that's going to be an issue because these receivers aren't very good. And when teams are loading the box to stop Leonard Fournette last year, they had some issues with that. There were times when Bortles was really, really good and times when he wasn't. And and it's the same issue this year with Bortles and with the receivers. So now with Leonard Fournette being injured with the hamstring, there's going to be a lot of pressure on Bortles this week. Well, not only that, obviously Marquise Lee, right, out for the year after a preseason injury. And you're talking about arguably the two best weapons that Bortles would have in his offense. Uh, Look, I'm going to ask this question. I think I know the answer, but... Um, you surprised Des Bryant hasn't factored in here uh, in Jacksonville? Not really, no, because um, he can't get separation anymore. He's not as he can't really run that well anymore, and he's a locker room issue. So the last thing you want to do if you're the Jags is bring somebody like that in with all the young receivers because you've got Westbrook, Cole in their second year. DJ Chark is a rookie. Um, you know, Bryant really doesn't do anything different than what these other receivers can do. And, you know, the, the big loss with Marquis Lee was the crossing route. That was a guy that they really feasted on, on or used him heavily on, on crossing routes. And that was a throw that Bortles had become comfortable with. And he trusted Marquis. He doesn't really have that anymore. And I, I, Des Bryant is not a guy that, that would fit into that role. So, not really surprised that Brian isn't here now. So you mentioned the ability to make a play occasionally with his feet. Bortles' biggest play on Sunday was the 41-yard run, yes? Would you agree? Yes, absolutely. Absolutely. And, and that was on a read option, yes. And uh, this is a quarterback who I think, you know, and I think Doug Marone knows this, if you get him outside the traditional pocket, I think he can actually be more dangerous because uh, there are more options open to him. And I, I just don't think he looks as comfortable in the pocket as he does maybe rolling out and freelancing occasionally. But I, I don't watch the team as closely as you do. He is very good on the move. Uh, they like to, they do like to roll him out a lot, and they'll use those shorter passes. Um, they'll put a guy in motion and then roll Bortle in the, in the direction uh, that that guy's running. Uh, it'll be, you know, a short throw, whether it's to the tight end, the back, or another receiver. But that guy catches the ball in space, and he's able to get, you know, six, seven, eight yards. It's, it's a pretty safe play for them because he can either bit, uh, uh, blow it out of bounds or he can go ahead and, and, and you know, take off with his legs. But – he, he makes really good decisions when he's doing that, and that's the bottom line for him. Now, he's a really good quarterback when it comes to throwing the screen pass, which is a significant improvement. For him. But there are some issues when he's in the pocket, yeah, and, and that's the thing. They, that's why they added Andrew Norwell, and that's why they drafted Cam Robinson, and that's why um, you know they feel like this offensive line should give him more time in the pocket to be a better quarterback in the pocket. Okay, going back again to the AFC Championship game. Bortles, I thought, played very well, considering the pressure, considering it was a road game, and coming off that huge game in Pittsburgh. In that AFC title game at Gillette, he was 23 of 36, 293 yards, one interception, uh, one touchdown, but most importantly, no interceptions. His rating, for what the, this is worth, it was a 98.5. And most importantly, with 14.52 to go in the 
fourth quarter, they were up 20 to 10. That is all you could ever want from Blake Bortles, correct? Yeah, he played he played his best football in the playoffs. And in that situation, absolutely, that is what you want, 20 to 10. And the Jags thought 10-point lead with our defense, no chance we're going to lose this game. And then they went into conservative, we're going to run out the clock mode. Uh, and that's where things kind of fell apart for them because they weren't able to run the ball. Leonard Fournette was not effective in that fourth quarter, and they didn't trust the – you know, everybody points to the end of the first half too, by the way, with Bortles because I think there was, what, 50-some-odd seconds left, and they had two timeouts, and they took a knee, and everyone interprets that as they didn't trust Bortles. Well, they didn't trust those young rookie receivers is what the problem was because they had no options there. But, yeah, that's, that was perfect. Bortles got them to where they needed to be, and they just weren't able to hold on because they went and got conservative and got, quite frankly, they forgot. They must have forgot that Tom Brady had done what Tom Brady had done against the Falcons in the previous Super Bowl. It's hard to believe you would forget that, but I'm sure that could be the case. Does um, Leonard Fournette, if he doesn't play, what chances do you give the, the Jaguars of being effective at all offensively? Um, I think they can be effective in spurts, but it won't be anything consistent. Um, you know, they, they didn't really, they worked a lot on two backs in the backfield and rolling those guys out and, and giving Bortles a lot of RPOs with those guys. Um, that's, we'll see a, a ton of that, uh, if, if Fournette can't play, but that's not going to be anything that they can make an entire living on. They, they would need, um, if Fournette can't play, they would need some four or five big plays out of the passing game, and I just don't know that they can get it. So Fournette's not there. This offense is predicated on run the football and the pass game's off play action. And without Fournette, it just nobody's afraid of, of P.J. Yeldon. Uh, certainly nobody really worries about these receivers. So if, if Fournette doesn't play, that Jags defense is going to have to come up with a touchdown and they're going to have to keep the Patriots under 20 points to win the game. As they did uh, in the formula of success against the New York Giants, correct? Absolutely. And, and honestly, there was the, the defense had one lapse there where they missed three tackles on Saquon Barkley, and he went 68 yards for a touchdown. But other than that, they just held him to three field goals, and that was sort of what you expect out of the defense. Speaking with Mike DiRocco, ESPN reporter, doing an outstanding job covering the Jacksonville Jaguars. RX Bar wants to build things the right way. RX Bar believes in the power of transparency and lets the core ingredients do all of the talking with all of them listed on the front of the packaging. You'd likely recognize RX Bar at the shelf. They're the ones who have egg whites for protein, dates to bind, nuts for texture, and other delicious ingredients like unsweetened chocolate, real fruit, and spices like sea salt or cinnamon. Turns out real food ingredients, you know what? They actually taste really good. RX bars are gluten-free, soy-free, and dairy-free. Whether you like sweet or savory, chocolate or fruit flavors, there's definitely an RX bar for you. I can vouch for the mint chocolate chip. Great energy, great flavor, no aftertaste. It gets me through whenever I have the afternoon or evening doldrums. Or when I'm at a Patriots night game, which we'll have tons of in October, I'll have an RX bar to get me through the night. 
For 25% off your first order, visit rxbar.com slash TRAGS and enter the promo code TRAGS, T-R-A-G-S, at checkout. One more time, for 25% off your first order, visit rxbar.com slash TRAGS and enter the promo code T-R-A-G-S at checkout. Speaking with Mike DiRocco, ESPN Nation reporter, covering the Jacksonville Jaguars. We talked about a lot of issues, uh, Mike, uh, on the field. You have an owner who is uh, one of the more unique owners in the National Football League, Shad Khan. He's been the Jaguars owner since November of 2011. What's he been like to cover? I ask you the same question about Jalen Ramsey, but um, Shad Khan is certainly a newsmaker in the NFL. Yeah, it's it's a little hard because he really doesn't speak to us um, much, uh, meaning the media, the local media anyway. Um, But, you know, he's, He's a forward thinker for sure. I mean, he's, you know, and it created, it creates all kinds of issues from this standpoint of, you know, the London game. Uh, He realized, look, this is, we're a small market team. Uh, We need to raise a lot more money than we raise. And in order to do that, let's go tap this London market. And, you know, they moved one home game a year over there. Now he's trying to buy Wembley stadium uh, for, I think it's eight hundred yeah, million dollars yeah, back in April. He, anyway, yeah, he submitted the, the bid. Exact number, yeah, yeah. So he submitted the bid. He's trying to purchase that. That may take another two or three uh, months to go through. But you know, he's not only thinking locally with the Jaguars. He's thinking globally with the Jaguars. They have a marketing deal out in the UK. Um, they're marketed as the UK's home team. So all that being said, it's it's a really interesting dynamic because now everybody thinks the Jags are moving to London when there's a, a, any talk about uh, in a franchise over there. Um, so, you know, it, it kind of creates those kind of issues, but he's a real savvy business guy. I think when he bought the team, he was worth 4 billion. And I think now the latest I saw it was uh, almost 9 billion. Um, so the, the Jaguars franchise has more than doubled in value since he purchased it. So uh, from that standpoint, he's fantastic. Uh, he's got a really good head for business, obviously. Uh, it's just interesting because we don't get a chance to talk to him as much. Uh, I think the last time we spoke with him was at the owners' meetings. So, yeah, that's you know it, tough. It, it's just not. Yeah, he's not as accessible as Robert Kraft. Yeah, and Robert Kraft, I got to tell you, is one of the most accessible owners I've covered in sports, not let alone. Uh, football. I mean, he uh, really does make himself uh, available to the media uh, here in New England. So let me ask you, the elephant in the room down there has to be, what are the odds the Jaguars move permanently to London, right? I mean, that is the, the question hanging over the franchise. No? Um, outside of Jacksonville, yes. Inside of Jacksonville, no. Because hmm. for, for, for all the issues here, Shad Khan has put uh, what was it, $80 million of his own money into improvements uh, at the city-owned stadium over the last, since he bought the team. You know, $45 million he splits, uh, he's, he put $45 million in to split the $90 million cost for a bunch of renovations several years ago. He paid $10 million to redo the weight room and locker room. Um, and then he paid, what was it, $30 million to help put up those giant video boards. Yeah. So he's among the biggest in the NFL, right? No. 
Yeah, but yeah, well, big, the biggest in the NFL, and, and they were the biggest in the world. I think there's a stadium, a soccer stadium that was built since, I want to say maybe in Dubai or something like that, that has bigger. But, wow. Um, yeah, I mean, he's he's put a lot of his own money into the franchise. Now, he's been really up front. The Jags have been up front about, hey, look, we have to come up with alternative revenue streams. Um, you know, and that's why they went to London. But when you put that much, I don't know much about being a billionaire, but I would think that if you put that much of your own money into something you don't own, it would seem like you're probably not going to want to throw that investment away after a while. Um, so look, the fact that they're winning now, they're, they're drawing fans at the stadiums. Again, I mean, the stadiums are full. The stadium is full. I mean, this Patriots game is going to be a sellout relatively quickly. There were just some standing room only seats available. Uh, same thing for the, the Steelers game. Season ticket high. Season tickets are up at uh, fifty thousand, which is the highest in you know fifteen, sixteen years. So, winning has certainly helped, but they've been real um, creative in some of the ways that they've tried to raise some money. Obviously, but yeah, there's there's no feeling that that Khan is going to move the franchise to London. I think that's. But you and I probably could talk about a franchise in London for hours and why it, it, it probably wouldn't work. And I think it's more than a decade away because there are so many things that have to be worked out from the standpoint of just just a U.S. base, right. a U.K. base, uh, the tax issue for players. How does that impact the salary cap? You know, how are you, um, you know, working out guys, for example? Are you flying guys overseas to work out on a Tuesday to bring them back the next day if they don't sign? Um, where are you going to house players? London's one of the most expensive, if not the most expensive city in the world. Um, how do you deal with um, housing all those players? Do you have to have two separate, you know, basically two or four of everything because you're going to have a base over there and a base over here and how much that costs? So there's just so much, not, not even to mention, what if the, the London team makes the playoffs? Does, does one team have to fly cross country or across the uh, across the ocean to play a playoff game over there? That's unfair. That's an unfair advantage. So there's so much stuff that has to be worked out that I still think we're way more than a decade away. And I may be wrong, but uh, we're way more than a decade away from a franchise in London. Now, if you had put a gun to my head and said one NFL team is going to eventually move to London, it probably would be the Jaguars. That's what I would say, but I don't see that at this point. Um, but like I said, it's, it's a long way away before I think there'll be a franchise there. Now, will the Jags maybe play two games in London after the CBA expires? One, one road, one home. That's a possibility. Absolutely. But I don't see this franchise moving to London. Leonard Fournette, uh, speaking on London, and we wrap it up here. Um, the Jaguars traveling to London for the October 28th game this year, and it arguably will be the most significant London game ever with the Jaguars, who had made the AFC Championship the previous year, playing the defending Super Bowl champs on October 28th. He made a point of saying, and I know you know this, Mike, he's going to take it all in with the family this time in London. Just because I think... A lot of players realize, look, this is, it's hard. It's hard just interrupting the season and going uh, overseas. You might as well enjoy it. Yeah, and, and they've, they've got a really good plan. Um, you know, in the first three years, they, just tried, they experimented on how they were going to go to London. 
Um, one year they left right after the Sunday night game, the road game, they were in Cincinnati. The other year they left um, on the Monday and flew out on the Monday to London. And then eventually they tried the let's fly over Thursday night so we can get there Friday morning. That's the formula that they really liked, and that's what they've stuck with. And that does give them that whole Saturday over there to enjoy themselves, and the players appreciate that. Um, it's, it's not anyone that's flown, you know, to the UK knows it's not an easy trip. I mean, it can be a little bit, it can be long, it can be tiring. It can be, you know, you can wake up, you you can get there, especially the way they do it. And if you don't get any sleep on the plane over, you're wiped out. So, um, but they've got it down. They've got the, the, the plan that they like, and they're using it. They've used it last three years and, that does give the players that ability to, to, to have a little bit of time on the Saturday. And they have really started to enjoy the trip. At first, there was a lot of grumbling, but the players now kind of appreciate the trip. They've kind of got their own places they like to go. So it is a neat thing for sure. And not everybody gets a chance to go, obviously, overseas. And for these guys that do get a chance to do it, they're starting to enjoy it a lot, yes. One more time, Mike, how can people follow you on Twitter and other social media channels if you like? Yeah, at uh, Twitter, it's E-S-P-N-D-I-R-O-C-C-O. Same thing on Instagram. And, uh, you know, obviously you can find me on Facebook with the Jacksonville Jaguars. Just search Jacksonville Jaguars on Facebook, and my ESPN page is there. Um, And, you know, obviously on ESPN, you can find all the stuff that I do on the Jacksonville Jaguars Clubhouse page. Terrific stuff, Mike. Thanks so much. Appreciate you having me. Want to thank everyone for downloading today's podcast. Want to thank our terrific guest, Mike DiRocco, covering the Jaguars for ESPN. Also thank our sponsors, Boston Barber and Tattoo, Game Time, and RX Bar. For producer Mike Alonji, our executive producer Larry H. Russell, and the founder of the network, Nick Gelso, this is Mike Petralia, and this has been the Patriots Beat Podcast, powered by CLNS Media.